victorious, but you might ask yourself, why aren't I living a victorious life? What is going on that is keeping me from being not just a conqueror, but it's a total blowout? Well, maybe it's the fact that although God wants to deliver us and give us victory, there is uncleanness or unholiness in the camp in our own decisions. And what happens is in the midst of that, God can't abide in that. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors, that we can experience victory over the sins and doubts that plague us. But that doesn't always seem like it happens in our lives. Well, today, Pastor Daniel explains that God wants to give you victory and freedom, but that there are things in your life that keep him from coming in and working. You'll be challenged to take stock of how you're living and let God usher in freedom and victory. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 23 as he continues his message, Keep It Clean. It says in verse 5, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. See, Balaam couldn't do to the children of Israel what the Lord would not allow. Why? Because the Lord loved him. And my friends, listen, this is so important. God loves you. And nobody can do anything to you because God loves you. All sorts of things can happen, but everything that does happen ultimately lines up with God's purposes and plans for our lives. And what people mean for evil, God can use for good. And it's so important for us to have that hope and that trust. We don't want to have hope in hope. We don't want to trust in trust. We trust in the God who loves us and can turn cursings into blessings. How many of you have experienced where someone tried to do something wrong by you, but God turned it into something good? See, that's the beauty of being a child of God because the God who loves you will not allow anything to go on that he cannot leverage for the blessings of his people. And I know you think that's impossible. And some of you, maybe you're going through deep trials right now where you're like, there's absolutely no way that that's possible. And what I would tell you is that with people, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And if God can take Jesus's most unjust crucifixion on the cross at the hands of his own creation and resurrect him from the dead and save generations alive by the resurrection, if he can turn the cross into a blessing and whatever you're going through, If you give the Lord room to work, he will be able to bring beauty out of it. Sure, I won't be able to explain to you how God's gonna do it and your friends won't be able to explain it, but God has a tremendous way of doing that. And what I want you to know is that when you see God do that, it changes your life, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden you're like, how is it possible that God could do something beautiful in my life through such a tragedy? See, if you remember in Numbers 22 to 24, Balaam couldn't curse the children of Israel, but he did tell the Moabites that the way to get the children of Israel to stumble was to send women into the valley to tempt the men. And all sorts of things went on. But God even was able to redeem such a tragic encounter. So for this reason, the Moabites 
and the Ammonites are excluded because of the history of what they have done. Notice what it says in verse six. It says, you shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all of your days. Wow. Because of what they have done, God has excluded them completely. Now, what's interesting in verses seven and eight, we get two groups of people who are not to be treated in the same way as the Ammonites and the Moabites. Look what it says. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. So first we have the Edomites. Remember, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Do you remember Jacob? Remember Isaac and his wife, Rebecca? They had twins, right? They had Jacob and Esau, right? And they named Esau because he was hairy and handsome like me. But no, that's what it means. It means hairy, you know what I mean? And then you have Jacob, right? And so the descendants of Esau were called the Edomites, right? And so the Edomites like, don't abhor them. Don't treat them like the Ammonites or the Moabites. Why? Because he's your brother. And so there's a family tie. And also, and kind of interestingly, in the middle of verse seven, you shall not abhor an Egyptian because you're an alien in his land. The children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. So even though there was all sorts of issues for the children of Israel in Egypt, don't forget that although in the Exodus account, we find out that the Pharaoh who rose up who didn't know Joseph, he oppressed the children of Israel for hundreds of years before that. They were treated well in Egypt and they were given places of preference and honor and they were able to be saved alive by the Lord, by sending Joseph there long before the children of Israel got there. And so he's saying for these two groups of people, because of their interactions with you, and although in Egypt it was negative at the end, you should take care of them. And after three generations, they could be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. So what you find here, and I think it's interesting, is that not everyone who worshiped the true and living God were gonna come from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, there were gonna be people who were gonna want to be a part of the family of God, even though they weren't ethnically part of the family. And God gives opportunity for their inclusion into the family of God. And I wanted to bring that up because for a lot of people, you don't enter the assembly of the Lord, the worshiping community, because you feel like, you know what, I've just done so much wrong. And like, I didn't come from the right family and I got every, you know, I got this stuff wrong. And the beauty is in Christ, you are acceptable in the beloved. And even though maybe your family wasn't perfect or you've made all sorts of mistakes, when you come and you say, Jesus, I want to worship. I want to be part of your people. You are accepted if you come by grace in Christ. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And God makes provision for outsiders to become family members. You know what I love about that? That was my experience. I remember having those thoughts when I first started to think about Jesus. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if I darken the door of a church. It might fall in on me. You know, anybody else ever have that thought? You're like, man, if I go to church, God's going to strike me down right there, you know? And I remember the first time I went, I was just like, I was hoping I'd make it out alive, you know? But, but God makes provision for us in Christ. So it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've been. If you are in Christ, you are part of the assembly of the Lord. Now, so first we have this purity in the religious assembly. And now in verse nine, we start seeing purity within the war camp. Now remember, the children of Israel are on the edge of the promised land and they're gonna be going into the promised land and there's gonna be a lot of battles that are gonna take place. We're gonna read about all of them in the first half of the book of Joshua. But notice there is some provisions for cleanliness 
in the camp. Notice what it says in verse nine. When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp, but it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water. And when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out and you shall have some implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse for the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that you may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Now, this is one of those moments where you're happy you're not me. This is talking about both wet dreams and going poop. That's what this is about right here. We're straight shooter here. That's what he's talking about. Wet dreams or nocturnal emissions, if you're very proper, and going to the bathroom. That's what's going on here. Now, you have to realize, you ever go into a restaurant, you go to the bathroom in the restaurant, there's always a sign in there that says what? Wash your hands, be turning to work. Why? Because everybody knows that when you do your business in the bathroom, that if you don't wash your hands, people could get sick, right? Ding dong, right here. This is what this is about here. So the idea is, is that as they're all camped together, they're about to go to war, there are some provisions for it. Now, first it says, when the army goes out against your enemy, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. Now, isn't that a good blanket statement? He's like, look, when you go out, no matter what you find, if it's wicked, stay away from it. And brothers and sisters, you want a good piece of wisdom, you may want to underline this one in your friend's Bible. Just reach across, just be like, here you go. Mm -mm." Because I love these blanketed realities. It's like, listen, when you go out, keep yourself from every wicked thing. Do you know how much heartache and trouble we would keep ourselves from if when we go out, we keep ourselves from every wicked thing? Anything that the Lord says, this is wicked, you just keep yourself from it. You stay away from it. The problem for us, of course, is that in our rebellious natures, we have a tendency to kind of enjoy the wicked stuff or we seem enticed by it, but we should keep ourselves from it. Now, with this blanket statement, of course, in verse 10, it says, if there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night. So you might say to yourself, what's an occurrence in the night? Rabbis are absolutely positively all lined up that this is speaking of nocturnal emissions or what we would call a wet dream. Now, you have to realize that by and large, wet dreams are morally neutral. So it's a biological thing that happens sometimes. It doesn't always have to be something that is nefarious or sexually immoral, but it happens. But the issue, of course, is when you have biological specimens, body fluids, they have the potential to carry all sorts of diseases. We have all sorts of illnesses today that are carried through blood. It's like when you go to the doctor, if you go to the hospital, they put on gloves, they put on all this stuff. If they're gonna do anything where they have any access to body fluids, why? I mean, how many of you, you know, if you're a dental hygienist or a dentist, they wash their hands when they walk into your room, they wash their hands when they leave your room because they realize you're dealing with body fluids. And God not only wants his people to be spiritually healthy, he also wants us to be physically healthy. And in a day and age before there was health code, this kind of stuff ends up becoming 
very, very important because God's design is for the health of his people. So in this case, when there is this nocturnal emission, right? When there's this wet dream, there's a secretion of body fluids in the middle of the night. Notice, he shall go outside the camp. He shouldn't come inside the camp. And it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water. And when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. So when this happens, there is a separation Right? And then after a day, once the sun goes down, you have ceremonial, you get cleaned up, and then you go back on in. So this is God. And oftentimes we see these kind of ways that we have this cleansing ceremony. We see it often, we saw it in Leviticus 15 and a number of other places already that there is this ceremony for it. Now, in the same way, we find out next quite, I mean, I think we're all pretty much grateful for this. It says in verse 12, also... You shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out and you shall have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. So the idea is in the camp, I mean, it's true. Like if you go somewhere, right, you're grateful for bathrooms that are all in one spot, right? There's like rows of porta-potties or whatever. Why? Because you can imagine, especially a bunch of dudes going out to war, they get a little lazy. They just choose to do their business wherever they are. And so the idea is you have to go outside the camp and there's some of your equipment that you would use to dig a hole. You do your business in the hole and what do you do? You cover that stuff up. The same idea because the idea, and I think this is super fascinating. If you look at verse 14, it says, for the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore your camp shall be holy that he, speaking of God, may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Now, you want a truth to live your life by? I think this truth is super important. That the Lord walks about in the midst of where we are. Why? To deliver us and to give us victory. See, Jesus said that we're more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. Now, think about that for a second. The idea of being more than a conqueror, it's like it's such a blowout that they issue the mercy rule. That's what more than a conqueror is, right? And so the idea is that in Jesus, we are completely victorious. But you might ask yourself, Why aren't I living a victorious life? What is going on that is keeping me from being not just a conqueror, but it's a total blowout? Well, maybe it's the fact that although God wants to deliver us and give us victory, there is uncleanness or unholiness in the camp in our own decisions. And what happens is in the midst of that, God can't abide in that. See, People today talk about the idea of a carnal Christian, right? Which isn't really a Christian at all because a Christian is like Jesus and Jesus isn't carnal, but it's a Christian who's living out into the flesh. They're living out so much in the flesh that their life doesn't look different than any other person, right? And I think what's going on here is I think that in Christ, there is victory, but we need to abide in that victory. And if you're abiding in the victory, you can't be abiding in the refuse. If you're abiding in Christ, you can't abide in the things that Jesus would not abide in. And so what this does is this brings it down to street level for us and the decisions that we make. And each one of us every single day is confronted with, am I going to be set apart and honor the Lord or am I going to walk in the ways of the flesh? That decision, we make it every single day afresh, don't we? Like, you may have made a great decision yesterday and you may have made a horrible decision today. You may have made great decisions years ago and now you're not. Like, it breaks my heart. 
You know, you hear stories of people who gave their life to Jesus right here in the sanctuary. They heard the Lord and, and they responded to the gospel and then a year later they're out doing something and it's all messed up. It's like, what happened? And it's not a judgment because except for the grace of God, any of us can do the same thing. But every single day, we have to make good decisions. Why? Because God's in the midst of it. Like, God is ever present right now. If you're in Christ, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's with you everywhere that you are. But what happens is, is that when we're involved in all sorts of stuff, that breaks his heart. The blessings of his present will not be as tangible. He never leaves us, but our awareness and sensitivity to him starts to get dull. And this happens so often, doesn't it? And I think many of us right now, you're there where you're like, that's me. And if that's you, this is what you need. You need to come to the Lord. It's called repentance. Where you say, Lord, I realize that I am involved in things that I should not be. And Lord, I want to, with your help, I'm going to turn away from those things and I'm going to turn to you. And I'm going to leave those things behind. I'm going to follow you. And Lord, help me to keep my eyes fixed on you. And that's all God asks from you. See, because some of you are thinking, you know what, I got to get this thing cleaned up then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get right with Jesus. No, no. Jesus doesn't say, listen, get yourself cleaned up and then come follow me. He says, listen, come follow me. I'll clean you up as we go. And I love that about the Lord. But if that's you today, just, it's a turning in your heart. That's what repent. It's like you're changing direction. You're just saying, I was going this way and now, Lord, I realize I'm going the wrong way in the midst of my camp. There's all this junk. I'm not, it's not holy. It's not set apart. It's just like the world. And Lord, I'm just turning back. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus is never like, well, it's about time, you know. But Jesus is like, I've been waiting for you. Like the Lord is standing right behind you in your journey away from God. And when you turn, he's just like, I've been waiting here for you. That's what I love about the Lord. That he knows that we're in process. He knows that we're imperfect. He knows that he's not done with us yet. And he wants us to turn. And when we turn, you know how sometimes when you have someone who keeps messing up and then they mess up and you're like, oh, you're always messing up. You know, every time we turn back to the Lord, you know what he does? He celebrates. Like, the Lord doesn't get like, well, you know, you've been turning from that thing for five years. Every time you turn back, the Lord's like, good, I've been waiting here for you. I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be present with you. I want you to walk in my spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, listen, I love this because they're being reminded that wherever they are, God is with them. But when God is with us, we want the camp of our lives to be a place that is representative of the Lord not something that has no business in the same sentence as Jesus the Lord. So you see why I'm calling this keep it clean because God wants to keep our assembly, us as individual worshipers clean. He wants us when we're going out to war, obviously the Bible is full of that. The idea that we are in a battle, that we are every single day in this world that we live in, there is a battle that rages not a battle of flesh and blood, but a battle for souls and for eternity. And we want to make sure that we're keeping our camp clean. Now, as we move into verse 15, we have a series of what we like to call miscellaneous laws. I like to call them junk drawers of laws, not because there's junk. You know the junk drawer at your house, right? You need everything in there. 
but you don't know where else to put it, so you stick them all in one spot. So there's like staples in there, and there's like tools to put furniture together in there, and there's all sorts of glue. And if you're like me, you hide some Twinkies in there, some bubble gum. You know, it's like everything that you need, you know, and the little things you put underneath your furniture. You you don't know where else to put them, so you stick them in one drawer, and you can never open that drawer, right? Because there's so much stuff in there. And if you open it, you gotta press everything down. Yeah, so we have a bunch of those here. So let's look at them. Verse 15, it says this. It says, you shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. Now I think, oh, in verse 16, he may dwell with you in your midst, in the place which he chooses within one of your gates, where it seems best to him, you shall not oppress him. Now what's interesting here is a fugitive slave was not to be handed back over to his master, but was given asylum and freedom within the domain of Israel. Now, couple things. First, doesn't that sound an awful lot like the Lord? To free those who are enslaved. That's the heart of God. That's the good news of Jesus, that we were slaves to sin and that when we flee into the arms of the Lord, when we flee into where the people of God are, there is freedom. That's important. Now, in our Little is the New Big series, I took the book of Philemon. I kept referring back to this verse because it'd be real easy to think, oh, well, didn't the apostle Paul just break the law in Deuteronomy 23, verse 15, by sending Onesimus, who was a freed slave, back to Philemon. And remember, I made the case, he didn't send back a fugitive slave, he sent back a brother. And the reality that family brings freedom. So there's something deeper at play there, but the idea is that there is asylum for the slave who has fled. Now, in verse 17, it says, there shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or perverted ones of the sons of Israel. You shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering, for these are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, I mean, these are some strong verses here. The idea of a ritual harlot or the perverted ones of the sons of Israel. This spoke of, in that culture, there are what you would call the temple prostitutes. So part of the pagan rituals for different of the gods that were worshipped, like Baal, involved all sorts of sexual immorality, where there were temple priestesses and priests who all of it was sexual rites. And so the idea here is that although they're going into the promised land and they're worshiping God, there should be none of this kind of cultural temple harlotry that was going on. And so it's very, very clear here. And it says, not only shall there not be any amongst your people, you shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God. So here what it's saying is not only should there not be these sexually immoral practices that are going on involved with the worship of the true and living God, but any wages made in such an endeavor should not be brought in as an offering either. Why? Because it says here, for these are an abomination to the Lord. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel continued in this Blueprint series by unpacking some of the laws that God gave the Israelites in regards to spiritual and physical cleanliness. You discovered that God wanted to protect the ways that His children worshipped Him from being infiltrated by the cultures around them. And God wants the same for you. 
Pastor Daniel urged you to be aware of the culture's influences and guard against them. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will finish up this teaching on some of the cleanliness laws God gave to the Israelites. You'll discover more about how you can stand for purity in the culture we live in. Pastor Daniel will also explain that God doesn't want his followers to take advantage of people in need. You'll learn that he told the Israelites not to try to make money off those living in poverty or needing help. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Blueprints next time. Until then, may God bless.